What do you do when it feels like life is on hold? I don't know how you've been processing the last couple of months in the midst of this pandemic and all of the things that have shifted and changed and even how the, the instructions and the news and all those things seem to go back and forth every day. But it was about probably two months ago that it really hit me for the first time, feeling like things were changing that were out of my control. And I remember sitting in the car <laughs> in the dark one evening in a parking lot outside of a building I was not allowed to go into because although the world had not quite shut down yet, I had traveled internationally and I was quarantined and I had to stay separated from people. And actually, as I was sitting in the car, I was listening to that song over and over. It felt like darkness was setting in. It felt like I had a vision that, that wasn't gonna happen. It felt like the silence was growing. And I was getting frustrated. And everything around me was telling me that I should be afraid. I should fear for my health. I should fear for my family's health. I should fear for my finances. I should fear for my future. And I realized as I sat there in that moment that I had to find a way to stay anchored. You see, as frustration was growing for me, as fear was growing for me, that can take over unless we stay anchored when fear takes hold because life is on hold. And I think I've found the way to do that. And I'd like to share it with you. And for me, in that season, and in this season, it actually came as I discovered the life of a man named David. Now, David is one of history's most famous kings. He is the reason that that is a common name today. And according to historical records, we think his reign in the kingdom of Israel was right around 1000 BC. But he wasn't always the king. In fact, when we first meet David, it actually is in the book of 1 Samuel, one of the books in the Bible that records historical record, gives actual places, people, names, all that kind of stuff. And in that book, about halfway through 1 Samuel, we meet this kid, David. In fact, we've actually been studying this in our equipping series. So if you didn't know, we have two completely different service designs. So what you're watching right now is our exploring series. And in the equipping series, we've been going through that book, 1 Samuel, page by page, getting that history. So if you want kind of the, the deep dive behind the scenes of, uh, of what we're talking about, about David, you can get it there too. And it's interesting because we meet this David, this kid in the field as a shepherd. And the first time we meet him, he is anointed as the future king. In the very next chapter, when his entire army is terrified of the enemy, it is David who stands up against the enemy, against their entire army, and defeats their champion, the giant Goliath. Yeah, this is that David from David and Goliath, that that moment in history I mean, even as I read it, it's like, yes, this is the guy we need to be king. Like he's just a kid, but he trusts God so much. He's so confident in what God is gonna do that he is willing by himself to stand before an army and take down a giant. He's the future king. This is gonna be awesome. What are we waiting for? Let's start the kingdom now. And then he spends the rest of 1 Samuel running for his life from the current king who is not interested in a different king and tries to kill him, 
running for his life and hiding in caves. And as I read that, I felt the frustration. Like God had a good plan and it was gonna be great and God's promises were good. And now life was on hold for David and it felt like God was wasting time. You know, we actually know where these caves are because as I mentioned, the Bible records the specific places so that we can see this history. And it's actually hidden out in the Judean wilderness. And this is actually from southern Israel. The lower half, there's a lot of desert. And it looks kind of beautiful, peaceful, almost serene. Uh, So let me just say on David's behalf, it's a little bit different (laughs) when you're running for your life. In fact, he became so afraid that he was going to die that he actually ran from his own king to the king of the enemy that he had defeated, looking for help, desperate for something, anything to help him through that time. Of course, that king didn't want to help either. They say, isn't this David who killed our champion? And so then David ends up acting crazy, drooling in his beard, all this weird stuff to try to escape them again, running through the wilderness until he ends up at this place called En Gedi, specifically in a cave that was hidden in a rock face there known as the cave of Adullam. In fact, you can go to this place today, you can see this for yourself and we think it is actually this cave in the middle of the picture that you're looking at right now where David's life was put on hold. And while he was there, maybe like you've been feeling lately, he was wrestling with God wrestling with all the things that have changed around him, trying to understand how to process what he thought was gonna happen with life and where life had arrived instead. And he writes a number of these prayers, these, these songs, what we call Psalms, where he's wrestling with that. And he's asking God, why is this happening? And, and when will you deal with my enemy? And what am I supposed to do while I'm stuck here? And in one of those, in Psalm 34, He writes this line, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me. You see, if we want to figure out how to be anchored when fear takes hold, when life is on hold, look what David discovered. It wasn't to run to things around him. It wasn't to try to change his circumstances. It wasn't to seek the help of some other person or some other king. He realized, as Chad explained a couple weeks ago, he needed to seek the Lord. But look at this. And he, the Lord, heard me. Now that's important. Because essentially what's happening is is David's learning how to talk to God. And it's not a placebo. It's not just meditation. It's not just calming his body down. No, what he's telling us is that there is a God who is out there that I can pray to. And although he is high, he is mighty, he is perfect, he is powerful, he's also personal. He listens when we talk to him. In fact, maybe you're not used to thinking about God with this word, Lord, But essentially, that is like the personal name of God. The way that comes through in our English translation as Lord, it's as if David is speaking to God personally, by name, directly in these verses when he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. 
And so really that's the first way that we stay anchored when life is on hold is seek the God who hears. Seek the God who hears. Expect that he is listening to you. That when we call out to him, he wants that from us. He wants to build that relationship through time together. In fact, if you look at how David describes this, that verse with the next couple, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now that that phrase, this poor man cried out. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but that's David in a moment of desperation that he's finally realized that he is not in control of the things that he thought he was in control of. He finally realizes that he is not a self-made man and he is not going to rescue himself. He finally realizes that without God's blessing, without God's forgiveness, without God's protection, he's a poor man, poor David. But this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. See, David was learning to talk to God. And David was learning to listen. In fact, I think the time that he spends in that cave was so valuable for him. And I think that's for us too. That it may actually be that for David, he wouldn't have had that moment. He wouldn't have found that relationship. He wouldn't have known God that well if God didn't allow life to be put on hold. Sometimes we're so busy, we're so distracted. I was talking to some guys from a a men's group that I'm in, a study that we do, and almost to a man we're saying, yeah, I'd love to to pray more. I mean, I wanna try to read the Bible more. I'd love to get to know God better if, if God is who the Bible really says he is, but I'm just so busy. And I know I could find time if I want to, but we feel that, right? Sometimes I think that God allows life to be put on hold because it gives us a chance to, to just talk to him. Because it's, it's great that we talk to each other. I think we need that. But more than anything, what does it look like for us to talk to God? In fact, that is why, you know, you've heard us mention this pathway to prayer a couple of times. The videos, this booklet. You know, some people I know, I've, I've had the conversations are, are going through this um, as a family or with their spouse Some people just working through it for themselves or or even with a study group. But essentially that's why this is here, right? Because we want to help you have tools. Maybe when life is put on hold, maybe when fear is taking hold to begin to just understand what it looks like to seek the God who hears. And ultimately that's just one tool Whatever it is that helps you seek him, that is a way that is going to help you be anchored in this season or any other. Because if you notice some of what David was saying in those verses, did you hear him? He said that, that he's delivered from his fears, not ashamed, and saved from troubles. See, I think that is the second way that we stay anchored when life is on hold be delivered from fear, from shame, and from troubles. Now, 
that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, think about, just, just for yourself, just think for a second. What do you fear? I don't know about you, but I fear that question because <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Right? What is the thing that triggers you during the day or keeps you up at night? Is it health? Is it death? Is it related to finances when I realize that the things that have been my security are not secure anymore? Or maybe it's related to shame. Is there something in your past or in your present that you feel like if people knew that thing, they might not love you anymore? That maybe that's the thing that God can't forgive? Or, or what troubles you? What do you worry about? What makes you anxious? I know we all probably have different things and yet I bet we all have things we can put in these categories. And in this song, in this prayer, David is saying that we can be delivered. Interestingly, I was, I was listening to, uh, actually I was reading an article where somebody was saying that uh, this Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, I don't know if you've seen that, but the article actually said, how thankful they were for the last dance. It is just what we need to get us through the pandemic. And I thought, that's interesting because, listen, I'm a Bulls fan too. I'm watching the last dance. I'm enjoying it. And I'm diehard. I mean, I grew up around Chicago. This is my t-shirt from the first time the Bulls ever won the championship. This is my t-shirt from the first three-peat. This is my hat. This is when we were able to repeat the three-peat. Like, I've got all the gear. I've got all the memories. I've got my Scottie Pippen jersey and my kids play basketball in the driveway pretending to be the Bulls from the 90s. And yet, does that deliver me from the insecurity that's around us right now? Or, or anything like that. Like, how often do we run to media, to sex, to substance, to just distraction to try to feel like, it helps us cope and it helps us block out whatever negativity we feel around us. But you know what happens after two hours of watching the Bulls documentary? You know what's still there? When that episode is over, the fear is still there. The pandemic is still there. The world around me hasn't changed. I've just been distracted from it. I don't know about you. As much as I'm enjoying that documentary and I, I love those Bulls teams, I don't just want to be distracted from fear and shame and troubles. I want to be delivered. That is why I love what he says in these verses. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears so that I was not ashamed, saved out of all his troubles. You realize in this moment, on this page, in these verses, David is still in the cave. King Saul is still out to kill him. The circumstances have not changed. He's just not afraid of them anymore. I wonder while we're in there if we tell God our fears if we let him begin to replace those to replace our fears with trust replace our shame with forgiveness replace our troubles with his blessing 
through that relationship with him. You know, this Psalm 34, this was actually my grandpa's favorite Psalm. And I think I knew that and I'd read it before, but totally it was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. And I just kind of read right past it. And it didn't really hit me until I found myself, I honestly don't even know why I was reading it again. Somebody mentioned it or, or, or something, but I was in a season of fear. You know, just before this pandemic, just before taking this big trip and my wife and I were leaving both the kids behind and that just makes you think about things you don't normally think about. And I found it was coming back to this psalm, to these words that I finally understood, I think why my grandpa loved it so much. Because this began to be the thing that anchored me. That no matter what is going on, no matter what changes or doesn't change, there is a God who is steadfast when nothing else around me is. In fact, I've actually had a chance to go to this place. I took this picture. This, we think, is the cave of Adullam. We know it was in this rock wall somewhere. And I went there with a tour group. And and as I climbed to this place, a lot of people had stayed behind. But I wanted to see this place because I knew what David had learned there. And as I sat facing this rock wall, I just began to release things I was afraid of, things I was ashamed of, things that troubled me. And said, God, I want to trust you, to seek him, and to feel the reality that he heard me. And what is so incredible, in this spot, in the middle of this dry and dusty rock face, out in the Judean wilderness, from this moment where I was sitting, you turn around and see this. All of a sudden, in the middle of this place called En Gedi, in the middle of this deserted wilderness, a waterfall, beautiful, cool, refreshing. And you see the plants that begin to grow around it. And as you walk through there, it's like all of a sudden you haven't seen any animals and now it's packed with wildlife because there's water here. There is life here. And you can almost imagine how David might scoop up some of that water to drink. That life is not what he'd hoped That it may feel like darkness was his friend and silence was closing in, but the vision still remained that God had made promises to him. He still believed that God was good and you can imagine as he tastes this water how refreshing it would be. And in fact, he writes that into this song when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. The metaphor starts to come to life when you realize where he was and what that waterfall would have meant to him, even just in the simplicity of how refreshing it would taste and how it would keep him alive. You know, on some subtle level, it's probably like, you know, your favorite wine or like when you you first open the bag of your favorite coffee. Oh, this is going to be good. But you don't just want to smell it. You want to taste it for yourself. That's the invitation that David gives us to help us stay anchored. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Taste and see Mm, that the Lord is good 
Now, now there's an interesting phrase here that you see a number of times in the Bible. So I want to give you just a minute on what does the fear of the Lord mean? Because I, I thought you just said I was delivered from all my fears. So now am I supposed to fear the Lord instead? Well, maybe the only way you've heard about the fear of God is that it's like a fear of judgment. That God is going to come down hard on me for the ways I haven't lived up to my own standard, let alone his. And there is a reality to that if we are not forgiven by him. But you see, that is why Jesus came, right? What the Bible teaches us is that Jesus, the God-man in the flesh, came, died on the cross to take that punishment for us. That if I trust him for that, if I tell God through Jesus, I trust him for that forgiveness, then that is his gift to you. Then instead of the fear of judgment, the fear of the Lord kind of takes on this new tone that it becomes a way to describe our trust in him. It takes on the idea of reverence, of awe, of respect. That instead of terrifying, God is terrific. Instead of awful, God is awesome and awe-inspiring. And that when I have a relationship with him, Yes, he is holy, he is righteous, he demands and he deserves obedience. And he is kind, he is loving, merciful, forgiving, and good. And you and I can taste and see that even when fear is taking hold, even when life is on hold. In fact, I had a chance to sit down with my friend Brian uh, I've started to think of him, I, I haven't told him this, but I've started to think of him as a little bit of a modern day David because of some of what he's been going through during this pandemic and how he's reacted to it. And so I'd like you to watch this conversation that Brian and I had together. Well, I am sitting here with my friend Brian because over the last couple of months with everything going on with this pandemic, and as I was studying through Psalm 34 and learning about the life of David, it just felt like Brian, there was a lot that you've been through and how you responded to it. Felt like you and David had, had learned or were learning a lot of the same thing. So, so first of all, just thanks for hanging out with me today and uh, sharing with us a little bit. Maybe just tell us kind of what has your life been like yeah. for the last couple of months um, because of everything going on with the coronavirus? Yeah. Well, um, as you mentioned, my business shut down as a result of, of uh COVID-19 and uh, I was told on March 19th, I was told a little bit prior to that actually, but uh, anyway, March 19th was the, the date that we were required not to, uh, not to operate. Um, mm -hmm. I had to tell staff some difficult news. I, I had to lay them off. I had to wonder about, you know, how long this would last and uh, would my money last and, you know, how could I provide for my family? Would, would I be able to reopen all these kinds of things that, mm -hmm. that I really wondered about? And so, uh, I'm sure many people can identify as it was a difficult time um, just because of the uncertainty. And, uh, and so I remember the phone call that you made to me just checking in, you know, which, which I really appreciated. And um, you and I were able to talk about, you know, some of my feelings at that time, which, mm -hmm. as you remember, were, again, a little bit of, of those things, uncertainty and, and even fear, but, um, but ultimately a knowledge that, God is my only provider, you know, mm. and I realized that, that I was putting security in those things, even though I didn't necessarily realize it. And I wouldn't have told you that, that, 
God was a lower priority than those things. And, sure. and, but, I, but I realized that when that happened that, you know, wow, I really trust in those things. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I trust in my routine and my income and my job and the things that, that fulfill me that way. And those things were taken away. And so I could despair and fear and, and, mm-hmm. uh, or, or I could trust in God. Yeah. And, um, and thankfully, I've been through enough life that I've had to trust God for some things. And, and so with some practice, it became easy in this situation yeah. to, to do that. Well, that, okay, so I want to catch that because I think that you and I talked on the phone, seriously, like the day after uh-huh. you had to close your office. Yeah. And um, you know, just to be honest, like I have cried over this for you, mm. thinking, like I hope I would trust God if I was in that situation. Yeah. But man, Brian is in it right now. And you just, you just said that you've had enough practice that it was kind of easy this time. Yeah. And you actually said that that day, that in the middle of everything, like already instantly kind of your, you know, your muscle memory response yeah. was, I've got to go to God with this. Yeah. And I, I think you even used that language that um, you had been finding your security in other things, but ultimately you knew he was the only thing that's really secure. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's not changing. Exactly. So... Um, I aspire to be like that. <laughs> I think maybe on some level, you know, each of us do. Yeah. Um, what is something that you found? Because in this Psalm 34, David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Mm-hmm. So how were you seeking the Lord? Like, what did that look like when you said to yourself, yeah. I'm going to seek the Lord on this? Well, you know, I was, I was praying, of course. I, you know, asking family members to pray, reaching out to friends, you know, uh, asking for prayer support, absolutely. Mm. Also seeking God through his word. And, um, and there were a lot of things that reached out to me. You know, I found a lot of things in God's word that were uh, con- uh, consoling. But, mm. um, but to bring it back to Psalm 34, there was a verse there in particular, uh, verse 10, that just talks about, um, you know, those who seek him will not lack any good thing. Hmm. And, uh, and, and that's so pertinent to what I was going through, you know, um, just as you said, knowing that God is unchanging, he says he'll provide. Um, I don't always know what that looks like. And what I, what I really, um, feel good about is just knowing that whatever comes, he's trustworthy. Yeah. That's, that's funny. You mentioned verse 10, um, because kind of that whole, section sounds like what you just said that David actually starts that psalm by saying I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth and I know that that was something that you chose to say I could focus on the negative I could focus on the news I could focus on whatever it is and and choosing to focus on God choosing to praise him um, anyway and I remember it was probably a couple weeks later when we talked again that as you'd been practicing that for a couple of weeks, you'd had a phone call with a few of your friends. Yeah. Um, t- tell me about that, because I'd love for people to hear a little yeah. bit about that phone call. You know, and I didn't even think much of it, except that m- one thing that one of my friends said, there, we did a Zoom call because, you know, can't get together much. <laughs> right. One of these friends happens to be in L.A., and um, the other one's here in Cincinnati. But, uh, but three of us were on this call, and, uh, um, and the one in L.A. just, you know, was asking. The first thing that came up, of course, was quarantine, and how's everybody doing, and are you holding up okay? And basically it was... Um, yeah, it's difficult, but you know, I'm 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 actually pretty hopeful. I'm uh, you know, I think that my business is going to get through this. And I think we're going to be okay. That. I said that. Yeah. And my friend said, "Wow, no one out here is thinking that." And and then it occurred to me, gosh, something that I thought was so simple just to say, "Well, I have hope." Yeah. Um, my friend said, 
We don't have that. My, this friend, as far as I know, is not a believer. And, uh, and, and that was, I thought, okay, God, you know, thanks for letting me share even just that little piece. Yeah. So here's, and honestly, that's the other reason I, I thought of you when I was reading this about David. Because David is a guy whose life is on hold. Things have changed in ways he didn't expect. He chooses to worship God and then begins to see how God delivers him from his fears even before the circumstances have changed. I, I think I loved seeing that in your life because I want to know that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Like I want that for me. And sometimes when I see it in others, it helps me realize it, it's true. Like David learned it, Brian yeah. learned it, maybe I could learn it, and maybe you learned it. Um, but the other piece that was so interesting to me was I, I mentioned how the history of this moment is recorded in the historical book of 1 Samuel. And this song, this prayer, is actually written right between chapters 21 and 22. And so what essentially happens is he's still in the cave. David has learned these things from God. And then a bunch of other people show up and it describes them as discontent, in debt, and distressed. Mm -hmm. Which is like, is that who you want showing up while you're in the middle of everything else that's going on in your life? And yet, it's one of the things that made me realize for you, Brian, and for David, God was not wasting time. Not only was he developing his relationship with David, not only have you been developing your relationship with God, but he was preparing David, and I thank you, for leadership. Like he was preparing David to be a king that when other people in life, like the friends you had in that phone call, realize this is not the way we want things to be. There's a moment there that David and you and maybe some of us can uniquely speak into because of what God taught us while life was on hold. That we can actually become leaders in that way. And so I just want to thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you. And in fact, um, Brian and I have one more invitation for you because one other thing that David says in this moment when all of those other people basically show up on his doorstep, these are the words that David gives them. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You see, David had learned to magnify the Lord instead of his fears, instead of his shame, instead of his troubles, to look more closely at God, trust him as his security, And then he gives this invitation to everyone around him. I want to help you learn what I've learned. So magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so we're going to finish today by actually letting you hear a song that is written directly out of this psalm. And you'll know the words because we've been talking about them in this chapter. So I'd like to pray for you that way and then just invite you to listen to this song and magnify the Lord with us. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for who you are, that you are steadfast when nothing else is. So Lord, for myself, for Brian, and and I don't know, for anybody else who is watching or listening that may, may want to say this right now, we trust you in Christ for our forgiveness. We trust you in our circumstances to deliver us from fear and from troubles. And so we magnify you together right now. Amen.